Right then, so I'm going to hand over to Ella. She's going to be reading our Bible reading this morning. Um, the Bible reading is 1 Peter 4, verse 7 to 11. So Ella, if you can unmute yourself. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Ella. Um, so I'm just going to pray for Paul before he leads us in our sermon. Lord, thank you that we have Paul Campion from Shirley Baptist this morning. Thank you that um, he has cut out some time in his schedule for us this morning. We just pray that we'll be really open to hearing um, your word through him, Lord. Amen. So I hand over to you, Paul. Well, thank you, Cara. It's really wonderful to be with you all today. I'm so pleased to have this opportunity counted as a real privilege to share with you this morning. And uh, I hope that you're sitting comfortably. As I look across the screen, it's quite clear that uh, generally you are, but perhaps not too comfortably so that you can manage to keep with me for the next little while. Uh, I'm sitting here in our dining room by the garden, which is a lovely setting for work during lockdown. And I count it a very privilege to be able to have this kind of space to be in today. So much is different, isn't it? I was indeed expecting to come to share with you at Alton this morning. And then uh, before lockdown, in the previous way of thinking about things tomorrow, I would have been heading off to Luton for an early flight on Tuesday morning to go to Israel to lead a Holy Land tour. Uh, that would have been very exciting. It's obviously not happening. It's going to happen this time next year. So it's something that we can still look forward to. But I'm sure that you've had many things that have been cancelled or postponed. Life has changed in so many different ways. And here we are living, working and worshipping in such uh, very different contexts. And of course, this is a time of sadness, isn't it, for so many people. I've taken two funerals already in this time and have another one booked and a significant number of our own congregation have lost close family members and friends in recent weeks, either from COVID-19 or from other illnesses. A friend of mine who's a minister in London has 12 funerals booked in the next few weeks. And that's just a sign of how deep and wide this uh, crisis is affecting so many people. There are others who are finding it difficult for other reasons juggling work at home with the care of young children, key workers who are in challenging situations every day, those who are particularly lonely and isolated, and we all want to do our very best to help and support one another at this time. And in all of these different contexts, I think that our passage for today is especially relevant, and I've described it as a spiritual wake-up call. A spiritual wake-up call. So here we go, 1 Peter 4 and verse 7, the end of all things is near. That's how this passage begins. And that's fascinating in itself. 
when these words were written, there was a growing expectation that Christ would return very soon. Now, clearly, uh, that didn't happen. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here today. There was that expectation from the ascension onwards was particularly strong at the end of the first century. It has become strong from time to time through the centuries uh, since then. But we are still here. Christ is coming back, but it hasn't happened yet. Now, some people would interpret this particular coronavirus as a sign of the end of times now. And will say, because we're in this situation, even more so, the end is happening soon. Well, maybe, maybe not. For myself, I wouldn't necessarily see the coronavirus as an indication of these things. It seems to me that the virus is part of the brokenness and the fallenness of our world. It's a global tragedy in which the heart of God is heavy with pain in feeling the suffering of so many people across the world. Our prayer, of course, is that the spread of this incredibly dangerous virus will be stopped and that healing will come to the nations and all who have suffered in so many ways. Isn't it lovely that Hannah had as one of her prayers this morning that the coronavirus would go away? That's what we're praying for. But nevertheless, with or without coronavirus, we are called to live in expectation that the end of all things is near. And whether this particular time necessarily takes us any closer or it doesn't, every generation and every day, we are called to live in expectation that Jesus is going to return and that the end of all things is near. And I believe that this is particularly a time when God is calling us to wake up and to be alert to what he is saying and he is doing as we trust in him and as we anticipate what is going to happen in the end of time because our expectation of the last day gives meaning to every day and because we believe that Jesus is going to return that there's something very exciting is going to happen at the end of the world that makes a huge difference to how we live today and every day I'm sure you know that the Chinese word for crisis is frequently claimed to be the combination of uh, two characters, Chinese characters, one that signifies danger and one that signifies opportunity. There's some debate about the linguistics of this, but it makes a great point that the crisis moment is both a moment of danger and opportunity and a time to be especially alert from a spiritual perspective. And that is the time in which we're living now. So I want to say to you this morning that I believe that we need a spiritual wake-up call. Now, what does that actually amount to? A spiritual wake-up call, what difference is it going to make to you and to me if we read these words this morning and we sense that God is calling us to a spiritual wake-up call? Well, it means an awful lot, but let me just touch on three things that it means. First of all, it means a call to pray. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober mind that you may pray. Prayer is so important at this time. And prayer makes a huge difference. It makes a difference to you. Prayer puts God at the center of your life. If we flick, flip across um, a moment to Philippians, 
chapter four and verses six and seven. You'll recognize these words, many of you, I'm sure. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer makes a difference to you. Prayer is the answer to anxiety. So many things that we can be anxious about, but we're encouraged instead of being anxious to trust in God, to put ourselves in God's hands. And then his peace will surround us, as it were, like an army of angels protecting and guarding our hearts and minds. And as you pray, it makes such a difference to you. But prayer also makes such a difference to other people. There are so many testimonies that we have of those who felt strengthened by the prayers of others. I'm sure you know that footprints poem where you have two sets of footprints walking in the sand. The picture is of Jesus and you walking together. And then, of course, there's that section of the poem where there's only one set of footprints, which initially was a puzzle until the Lord responded by saying, that was the time when I carried you. And that poem is so true. But I think we can also extend the poem a little bit to say that it's not just that Jesus carries us through difficult times, but also the prayers of other people carry us through difficult times. It may be that you're in a particularly difficult place at the moment, and you find it hard to find the words to say as you pray. And perhaps you're in a place where actually other people's prayers need to carry you across a very difficult time. Prayer makes a difference for you. It makes a difference for other people as you pray for them. And that's why it's so important that we do pray for other people. But prayer also makes a difference to the journey of the nations. And we should be praying for the world at this time. After all, this uh, coronavirus is a global pandemic. And we need to boldly pray to God to stem the flow of this deadly virus, especially thinking of some of the poorer nations of the world. Our own daughter is currently in Uganda. And so this is very acute in our minds. It's just one of many nations where there are uh, so few medical facilities and where the virus could have such devastating effect. And so we need to pray. We need to be alert and to pray for ourselves, for those who are around us, for the wider world. One of my favorite stories about prayer in the Bible is Daniel chapter six and verse 10, where Daniel opened his windows towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees and he prayed just as he had before. Why is this so significant? Well, of course, if you know the story, you'll remember that the king had ordered that anyone who prayed to any God or human being other than the king, would be thrown into the den of, den of lions. But that didn't stop Daniel praying. He prayed in public at the window, which opened towards Jerusalem. He play, prayed towards the place of hope and future for his nation. And I think that is a picture that we need to take on board today as we pray towards the future for God's purposes to be fulfilled and for hope for the nations of the world. I was particularly interested in the interview that the Archbishop of Canterbury gave to Premier last Sunday. And he mentioned first how there was a real sense of prayer across the country, how many more people are connecting with worship events like this one that might have otherwise be seen physically in church buildings. He went on to talk about the huge increase 
particularly for prayer movements across the world, how people are discovering prayer. And that's great news. And then he had a wonderful phrase, which is this, that God does not self-isolate himself from us. God does not self-isolate himself from us. That's a wonderful thought, isn't it? That God himself is close. And as we come to pray, we come to one who is right beside us and wanting us to truly encounter him. So in our wake up call this morning, as we sense that we're living in critical times and as we live as we always should in anticipation of the return of Christ, this calls us to be in a place of prayer. But then secondly, it calls us also to be in a place where we are loving very deeply because our passage goes on in verses eight and nine. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. That word deeply is very important. It could literally be translated consistently or even better, persistently. The root idea is of stretching like you would stretch yourself in strenuous exercise. Our love needs to be stretched. Our love needs to be strenuous. Recognizing the length, breadth, height, and depth of God's love for us, that he stretched his heart to reach into a broken world. We stretch out our hearts to reach in deep love to those who are around us. And then that often quoted phrase, love covers a multitude of sins. It remembers, resembles a verse in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Love covers all wrongs. I think it's a phrase that can be easily misunderstood because ultimately God alone can forgive sin through the death of Jesus on the cross. But then we who have been given, forgiven so much by our Father in heaven, are then commanded to forgive. And our love is an expression of that forgiveness. And so we are called to be stretched in our love as we extend it into forgiveness of those who have wronged. In the passage here, another expression of that love is the offering of hospitality. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm finding it very strange in our present life of social distancing not to be able to offer hospitality. I collected some tomato plants from a friend a few days ago. He left them on the garden wall. I dropped off parcels at the door to someone and then sent a text to say that they're there. This kind of distancing that we're having to experience so often because of the dangers of passing on infection. It's a very strange way of behaving. But of course, there are other ways in which we can give expression to our love, especially we can reach out with our phone calls, text messages, WhatsApps, emails, whatever kind of communication you use. Some of my work is reactive where I'm responding to the requests of other people and the necessary tasks that go with my role in leadership. But the best bits of my life are the proactive bits where I just call someone up, where I explore something, where I reach out to someone. They're not expecting it, but it's an expression of love and of concern. This is a time to be spiritually alert. And when God prompts you to do something, then do it. 
because you can be sure it's going to be hugely appreciated. Part of our spiritual wake-up call this morning is to love deeply, to love in a way that we are really stretched but deeply fulfilled because we're honouring what God has called us to do. And then a third area of our wake-up call, just very quickly, is to mention that it includes a call to serve. Verses 10 and 11, each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve other people. This links, of course, to other passages on spiritual gifts, and we haven't time to explore it in any detail. But one image is quite clear in my mind, and it's a very topical one at the moment. I often use the image of the rainbow when talking about spiritual gifts. I have a vague recollection of that science experiment where you shine a ray of light onto the prism of glass, and that light is refracted into the multiple colors of a rainbow which you can capture on a screen the other side of the prism. And in the same way, the one spirit is given to his people and through the church is refracted into this wonderful kaleidoscope of different gifts. Speaking and serving are particularly mentioned here, only I think as examples of the full range of gifts. And the key message, of course, is that whatever gift God has given to you, you need to use it to the full. I think the speaking and serving examples are good ones because speaking is something to do with words, serving is something to do with actions. Words and actions together is what God is calling us to be and to do as we serve him now. Whatever your gift, now is the time to be alert to what God is saying and to use the gifts that God has given to you to the full in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about a spiritual wake-up call this morning in anticipation of the fact that we always live expecting Jesus to return with an awareness of the deep crisis in which we are journeying through at the present time. This is a time to be spiritually alert and spiritually awake because certain elements of life as we have known them in the past are not happening in the present time now is not a time to be spiritually lazy or indifferent or half-hearted about your faith. Now is the time to wake up and really to be alert. Now is the time to be committed to prayer and to spend that time and to be still in the presence of God. Offer your life to him. Pray for other people. Pray for the world in all its need just at the moment. Now is the time to be committed to prayer. Now is the time to reach out with a depth of love and care that will stretch you, but will be a blessing to other people. Now is the time to really use the gifts that God has given to you. Why do we do these things? Well, the final few words of our passage says it all, doesn't it? So that God may be praised through Jesus Christ and to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.